This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Ward Scott Files brought to you by Melden Law and protected by our friends over at Crime Prevention Security System. Well, it's Friday. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday for everyone out there. A happy Good Friday. And if uh, you were tuned in on the show on Wednesday, you'll know uh, I had actually checked into whatever came of the name Good Friday. And eventually, actually, there were a few different iterations of what that uh, is the genesis for that. And some of it said that it was God's Friday. Uh, Some of it said that it was Passion Friday. Uh, but it seems uh, modern times, we've just kind of settled on Good Friday. Uh, but this is the day that we celebrate, uh, you know, celebrate the crucifixion of Christ uh, because it leads into uh, the resurrection that we will be celebrating on Sunday in the Christian community. Uh, our Jewish friends are, of course, celebrating Passover. But whatever your flavor is, we are just welcome that you are here. We're happy to have you. Uh, today is Fanfare Friday, as we teased out, and this is where I'm going to be interviewing you. So be prepared, get ready, call in, because I want to do some interview. And, uh, you know, I don't have any material here available at all. Uh, so if you guys don't call in, we're just going to have to blabber through the next hour. You are uh, now in the host room and can manage your callers so from the I'm call-in studio just web kidding, interface. Just kidding. I do have a few things here today. But I uh, did want to kind of round the horn here, do a little bit of roundup uh, over at our friends with com. Uh, there's a couple of great stories here. The Alachua County Commission has voted four to one to move forward on the meat processing, processing plant over in my neck of the woods. Uh, that is a eh, probably a year or two potentially out. And the concept there is that the county, by majority four to one, want to spend some of that ARPA money to build a meat processing plant over in Newberry. So they would own the facility. Newberry would own the land. And they would get an outside operator to actually run it and manage it. Uh, uh, me personally, a city commissioner of Newberry, uh, I'm in favor of the idea. I'm in favor of decentralizing, you know, meat processing. I know that's a uh, you know, food security issue for me. I do not in any way, shape, or form like the idea of the government actually owning it, in this case, the county government. But uh, in other news, we have the city of Gainesville gives final approval for the Weyerhaeuser development in uh, the northwest area. It's really kind of straight up, uh, I guess, northwest uh, 34th Street, 121. It's going to kind of straddle both sides of 121, just north of the industrial area. Uh, there is a workshop for the K-9 unit that's going to be over at Littlewood on Monday. Uh, if you have any interest in doing uh, on that topic, we will have some of our fantastic research media team over there uh, to cover that for you. So if Ward is back on Monday, he'll be able to cover some of that you know, probably on Tuesday when we finally get to it. Uh, Florida Highway Patrol names a new colonel. So there's a couple of 
just uh, notable headlines for your uh, Friday morning over at our friends with the Elatro Chronicle. On more national news, um, here's my shameless plug for the New American, the company that I work for is the John Birch Society, and uh, we publish a, a daily uh, magazine, or excuse me, a daily website, of course, of news and media. Uh, we also offer a print magazine twice a month, and you can subscribe to that. You can subscribe to both. Uh, over on the newamerican.com, we have executive orders banning ownership of gold. Would you comply? Uh, we have a Gary Benoit video. Uh, he is the publisher, and he is covering the uh, issue that we're going to be putting out April 10th. Was Jesus a socialist? That's a very good video. I was able to watch that this morning. Uh, was Jesus a socialist? Well, in order to be a socialist, you can't be a Christian. So not really sure that that works. But uh, what uh, Gary Benoit and writer Selwyn do cover in there is sort of why is the socialist communist movement turning to put Jesus up as the you know, the fixture or the pinnacle with regards to socialism. Uh, and they really cover it pretty good. It's only about a 15-minute video, so I encourage you to head over to the newamerican.com in the video section and check that out. Uh, also, the uh, you know, there's just Christian hate in general. Ben Armstrong's daily video podcast today, uh, that was posted, and he is uh, covering a little bit of what you're worried about America. You're worried about America. So we're going to kick off the show here. Um, I believe we may have a caller in the line already or in the queue. So if you uh, can hear me, go ahead. Okay, that was just a show. And so the, the phone lines are definitely open. So feel free to give us a call. Um, we covered a lot of ground this week. I think Monday's show, we talked with and interviewed Greg Smith of Raymond James, talked a little bit about the markets and banking and sort of what's happening uh, across the country. So I really enjoyed that show. We kind of went remote over to Greg's office to talk about that. Tuesday, we actually interviewed uh, Latua Chronicles managing editor Jennifer Cabrera. Of course, our Wednesday show was with Ted Yoho. Uh, former congressman for the district here, third district in Florida. You know, when he was covering this district, it sort of shifted to part of the eastern side of Levy County and Gilchrist County, Alachua and, and Clay County. It's not that way anymore. It's actually been shifted west. Uh, Florida District 3 doesn't cover Clay County so much anymore, but it does cover all of Levy. It covers all of Gilchrist, all of Alachua County. And if I'm not mistaken, it might even uh, pick up a little piece of maybe even Marion County or South Union County or something that that where, where Stark is. Uh, I'm interested in your plans for this weekend. Uh, I know my plans for tonight. I am celebrating a 22nd wedding anniversary with my wife, Danielle. So we're kind of interested in going to probably just to dinner tonight or something. Uh, maybe we'll go over to Conestoga's. Uh, Conestoga's is a great menu in Alachua, downtown Alachua. Uh, Maybe you guys are headed over to Shoot GTR. Uh, they are actually open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 8, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, so they will certainly be open today and tomorrow. If you want to head over to Shoot GTR, maybe you're getting a haircut at Style Cuts. But we'd be interested to hear what you have to say. Today's show is all about you. Again, it's Fanfare Friday, and I am wanting to know exactly what is on your mind. Please give me a call. I want to answer your questions 
like I said, we did cover a lot of ground. We did the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yesterday, uh, we had a great show talking with uh, New American writer Mitchell Shaw. Mitchell Shaw wrote us a great article about uh, artificial intelligence and chat GPT. We were able to get a lot of questions answered with him yesterday. Uh, I am kind of curious, you know, if I was the only one thinking about the whole aspect of uh, the artificial intelligence about chat GPT. Uh, we covered that a little bit yesterday. So um, why don't I get a little bit into some of the, you know, I am the chairman of the Republican Party here in Alachua County. So I could cover a little bit of ground on that. Uh, yesterday, we closed out a poll over at AlachuaRepublicans.com. Uh, we had a poll up because every year, the Alachua County Republicans has a big fundraiser called the Black Tie and Blue Jeans Barbecue. It is uh, traditionally in October, should still be in October this year, but we had put out a poll asking people what they'd actually be interested in for having as a speaker this year. And uh, there was there was two questions, two questions in the poll. It says, what genre of speaker speakers would most appeal to you? And please use the other option if you wanted to submit uh, your own answers. There's over two. There's about 200 people that actually surveyed this, and I had pre-populated in the survey whether or not you wanted somebody that was political, uh, comedic, somebody that was topical, uh, maybe an actor or an actress, and then the last option was an athlete, and then of course the other option where you could kind of fill in whatever you wanted. Overwhelmingly, 88 and a half percent of our respondents said they wanted a political speaker for black tie and blue jeans, which I guess isn't terribly unexpected considering the Republican party is a political organization. Uh, but the uh, comedic responses also garnered 50 respondents. Topical was 32 actor actress was actually the lowest at 10. And then there was actually 17 people who had responded that they wanted to hear an athlete and then there was a bunch of uh, single submissions, uh, somebody on free speech and censorship, a uh, topical issue about uh, artificial intelligence and medical uh, freedom. Uh, probably could have gotten maybe Dr. Malone in uh, to talk a little bit about that. Um, and then just just kind of other some just sort of random stuff. But the second question uh, was also very interesting. So the second question in the poll was, please mark three who appeal to you. Use the other options to submit your own answers. So that also had 200 respondents as well. And uh, the biggest response was actually for Rand Paul. Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky. Uh, he is generally almost always a 100% Freedom Index score uh, senator that we have in the U.S. Senate. He actually uh, got the most votes of 97. Uh, Jim Jordan and Ben Shapiro had tied for 95. And then followed by Thomas Massey, a representative also out of Kentucky. Uh, I'm a huge Thomas Massey fan. If you ever get a chance to uh, listen to him or go follow him, he has a great, great, great take on government and how it really should be running. And I I really, really appreciate what he does. Uh, he's got this whole slogan and tagline that he kind of does. It's called Get Sassy with Massey or Sassy with Massey. Uh, so he's he's also very intelligent, got a MIT degree. Uh, he actually got a, a ton of patents while he was in college on virtual reality. That's where a lot of where he had made his money. Uh, but there's also a great video that Matt Kibbe did on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and just search 
Thomas Massey off the grid. It's about a 30 minute video about his home life and his, his political life. And it's great to see how he kind of marries the two of them together. And it's, and he talks a lot about his philosophy and how he approaches government, very freedom oriented, very liberal, uh, liberty oriented. Um, so that was really, really, really cool, uh, for me to see. I think I've watched it three times. I think I've made my kids watch it, uh, one or two times also. Uh, JP Spears. Pardon me? Okay. All right. Well, let's just put the poll aside here for a second. Caller, you're on the line. Please state your name. Good morning, Tim. Uh, this is Plantation Mark. And uh, I just want to let you know a little bit about what's going on locally up here in Virginia between my county and uh, the next county over. We're just about to put a moratorium on solar farms up here because guys are trying to buy up all this good farmland and uh finally as uh, the county commissioners finally come to the stark realization that they uh better put a halt to the percentage of land in total area of the county that uh, could be put under solar farm and the size of the solar farm so uh that's a big issue up here for us right now and i think yunkin and sears and uh the guys up in richmond are uh doing a fairly good job i see i see we have uh, you know it seems like solar farms popping up left and right in florida of course we are the sunshine state uh but uh mark what is really sort of you think the driving initiative against the solar farms well if you look at the timber owners and the, and the, the kind of large farmers we have in the area uh, it's the amount of uh, land that's just being bought at incredible prices right now, and, and these big companies can do it, and they're going to get some kind of a cut from the federal government. And, and so, basically, the even though we've only got one Republican commissioner, I think the Democrats are smart enough to see the road they're headed down when they start losing, you know, three, four, five hundred acres at a time. Mm-hmm. Now, when they built these uh, two gas, natural gas-powered plants up here, uh, what happened was they bought a, a ton of land. And so they absolutely, on the, the Greenville County side over at Emporia, they actually set aside 400 acres of that ground for the gas plant, uh, electric plant, and, and put 400 acres of solar panels over there with the plant but uh i think all this is fixing to come to a a head here real soon because even the democrats up here are smart enough to see the road are going down but uh they don't pass up uh they're not a no growth uh, bunch up here now mecklenburg county next door they're they're more pro uh they're pro business and they're not tr- uh, trying to stifle any growth in the area. But uh, Brunswick County is kind of a the redheaded stepchild down here because it's mainly agriculture and timber. There's very little, if any, manufacturing at all. There's small businesses around here. Uh, South Hill now in Mecklenburg County has the manufacturing where my uh, oldest son works for Newcore Steel over there. So... 
there's a lot of issues around here, and uh, and taxes are one uh, another thing. And I tried arguing with the tax assessor uh, unsuccessfully when they raised their taxes or personal property taxes on vehicles because they said they were all worth more. I said they're worth what you can write a check for because it's an unreal. If you're in the stock market, it's what's called an unrealized gain, and you haven't made money till you've sold it, and you can't be taxed on what you don't get. So <laughs> that was an interesting conversation. Yeah. What are some of the cities around where you are, Mark? Eighty-five and U.S. fifty-eight, right across twelve miles up the road from the North Carolina border. And the next, quote, city, if you want to call it a city, is Harris County seat, which is Lawrenceville, which is right on U.S. 58. And the next one after that, going east, uh, would be Emporia on I-95. I see. So, and how <laughs> long it. have you been? That's it down here. How long have you been living up in that area? Uh, we moved up here October 2013 because I said I was – I. I was with Nathan and the rest of them going to all the meetings over the wood-burning power plant down there, and I said, I will move before I see them double my power bill. So I own 12 acres up here, and I just uh, summarily sold a, a little house trailer that was on two acres of this land, and I just put a house up here. So I'm sitting on 12 acres up here, and the deluge of rain we got last night, and it's going to rain today and tomorrow. Yeah, uh, it it just about washed all my corn out of the ground last night. It comes oh, no. out so hard. <laughs> so if it ever dries out, I'll probably be out there replanting it. But you know, I, my cabbage and and uh, broccoli, lettuce, uh, asparagus. We were already eating asparagus, but the rest of the garden just sitting out here is. Uh, a red mud swimming hole right now. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate you checking in with us, Mark. Appreciate your support of the show, as always, and keeping the comment section lively. If I'm ever up that way, I may try to uh, get in touch with you, all right? That's fine, and uh, yeah, I'm easy to get to. <laughs> all right, well, appreciate it. That was Mark uh, Carpenter uh, calling in on our call-in line, 707-9101. If you're local, it's Long distance is 352-707-9101. Hey, uh, Jared, could you check real quick on the discussion? I don't see any comments in there, and I, I'm actually looking to see. There it looks like a little note that says, post permissions for this event have been turned off for guests. I don't know if we uh, inadvertently had uh, cut something or, or or not. I'm not really sure. Uh, I want to cover a little bit for you sports fiends out there, just a couple of scores that we can run through from yesterday. Of course, this weekend kicks off the Masters Tournament. Right now they have a three-way tie between Brooks, Capa, Victor, Hovland, and John Rahman, or Rom. And uh, all of those those three guys are actually all seven under par. Uh, I think Brooks may have actually teed off already this morning. Uh, but... Seven out of the top eleven, uh, top twelve are. I'm excusing Mark Cook. That was Mark Cook, not Mark Carpenter. But seven out of twelve of the Americans uh, in the Masters top twelve are, uh, of course, American. It's a big American tournament. Uh, over in the NBA last night, the Cavaliers beat the Magic one eighteen to ninety four. Heat over the Seventy Sixers one twenty nine over one hundred one. Trailblazers lost to the Spurs one. 
27 to 129. And uh, the Thunder beat the Jazz 114 to 98. And the Suns beat the Nuggets 119 to 115. NHL action last night on the ice. Bruins over the Maple Leafs 2-1. Sabres over the Red Red Wings 7-6. Panthers over the Senators 7-2. Canadiens beat the Capitals 6-2. And the Devils uh, bested the Blue Jackets 8-1. So a couple of high-scoring hockey games there last night. I'm not a real big hockey fan. Maybe you are. You can tell us in the chat if we can get that fixed. Uh, apologize for that if it's not working for us this morning. But the Red Sox did beat the Tigers last night. So if you're a big Red Sox fan, uh, they got another W last night. So they've they, they've actually moved to three and four. So fantastic for them, I suppose. Uh, the Giants up big over the White Sox. They moved to three and three, sixteen to six victory over the White Sox. Blue Jays six to three over the Royals. Nationals beat the or lost to the Rockies, and the Braves beat the Padres. Looks like there was just a couple other act, uh, a couple other games. Dodgers over the Diamondbacks. Excuse me, D- D- Dodgers over the Diamondbacks. And there were actually a couple of games that were postponed last night, probably due to rain. Uh, we'll get to the rain forecast and some of the weather at the bottom of the hour break. But uh, curiously, I was actually calling a baseball game last night over in Newberry. Newberry hosted the Chiefland Indians, and. About fourth inning, it started to rain. It wasn't really hard. It was just sort of a heavy mist, went to a light mist, and then it got really, really heavy. Uh, but it was totally unexpected. I didn't think it was supposed to rain yesterday. I didn't think that was going to happen until the end of the week and in maybe, or, excuse me, into the weekend. Uh, I know yesterday we had reported about a 50% chance for Saturday and Sunday here, but hey, we got a little bit last night and it wasn't too heavy. So, uh, all of that. Uh, we'll certainly uh, get some of the grass to get growing, especially with these warmer temperatures. I know Ward talks about that a lot. Um, so that is that. Let me get back to that poll. Uh, we talked about the poll from the Republican Party that I had put out with regards to black tie and blue jeans. Uh, yeah, so Representative Thomas Massey had 43 votes. Uh, but the comedian that I had pre-filled into the survey, J.P. Spears, who has actually really had a change of heart, uh, one of our reporters of the New American actually interviewed J.P. Spears when he was near the home office up in Wisconsin. And uh, J.P. Spears is a sort of, I would probably say he was probably kind of a soft Democrat, uh, but he's become a conservative, outspoken conservative politically especially. And he's got a, just a whole satirical comedic approach to politics that uh, is actually really funny. And he talks about it in that interview, and I'm sure he talks about it on his videos about how he sort of made that transition or at least, you know, solidified some of his thinking to begin with. Uh, Ben Shapiro, like I said, had had 95. Terry Bradshaw, 75 or 25 votes. Kevin Sorbo, uh, sort of a Christian flavored actor, uh, more on the conservative side, of course. Kevin Sorbo's in a lot of movies. Uh, he had actually gotten 29 votes. Marjorie Taylor Greene, for your information, she got six. Uh, Trump got 11 and Senator Rick Scott got four. I was kind of curious about the whole Trump angle with that uh, poll, uh, why it was so low. Of course, we had Ron DeSantis as the keynote speaker last year, and I was wondering why Trump was so low. And I sort of just chalked it up to people expecting that he would be very difficult to get here to Alachua County to do a talk. And maybe folks just didn't really want to waste a choice 
because uh, they really only kind of gave them three options uh, to choose from. And I kind of just chalked it up to that. Certainly Trump is a heck of a lot more popular than 11 votes. Uh, but a couple of the other single suggestions were Dan Bongino again, James O'Keefe, Chip Roy, uh, Mark, Mike Pompeo, Blaze Angolia. He is a state rep here in Florida. Uh, Kat Kamek, of course, the hometown congresswoman. Uh, Nikki Haley, who is one of, I guess, maybe only two Republicans maybe two Republicans that have voiced interest in uh, throwing their hat in the ring for president in 2024. I don't think that Nikki Haley is an, uh, a viable candidate. Uh, just from the simple fact that uh, she's been a little bit out of the game a, a while. And I think when she was in the state of South Carolina, uh, she did a lot of things that were probably not as uh, you know conservative that as you would think. Uh, so I don't think that she's really a viable candidate for president. She may be just kind of getting in the ring to try to be uh, vice president or something like that. Kaylee McEnany, former press secretary, uh, local, also local ish representative Byron Donalds from down in the Collier County area, Fort Myers, Naples area. Uh, Charlie Kirk actually garnered one vote. Senator John Kennedy actually got a vote. He's our Louisiana kind of uh, funny Louisiana representative, uh, got a great sense of humor. He gets a lot of uh, attention on some of his votes or on some of his talks when he's grilling some of these people up on the Hill. Uh, those videos are usually uh, pretty popular. Uh, let me check over here to the chat line, see if we got uh, any of that uh, going here yet. I guess maybe not. Uh, again, production, if you could check out if there is a restriction on the comments, I'm not showing that there are any comments here today, but nonetheless, we're going to keep going. We're about to hear to the bottom of the hour break. We are trying to pull together a fanfare Friday. I only have so much material to go through. So I was hoping that we could interview you. Appreciate Mark Cook calling in and talking with us a little bit earlier about what's going on in Southern Virginia. He was talking about solar farms. Uh, we actually have a solar farm here in the Newberry area that's sort of making its way through planning and zoning and uh, sort of, I think we even talked about it once at the uh, commissioner level last week. But, um, you know, solar farms are just this really interesting debate because you have this idea that it's solar and uh, the sun's not going anywhere. So it could be a very good sense or very good source of energy. Uh, but will we have this the issue is the production level and how you build these things. It takes so much energy to build a solar panel uh, that arguably right now it takes more energy to build this thing uh, than it actually can garner uh, through its use. Uh, that, you know, obviously feeds into this battery system. There's a big argument about lithium and the lithium mining over in, I think it's mostly in Africa, maybe Southeast Asia, where they have a lot of these lithium farming uh, and mining operations going on, you know, you see some of these pictures on Facebook. There's a, just a giant, massive uh, hole in the ground where they're trying to mine all this lithium. And you have the environmentalists chipping in or chirping in about whether or not solar is the way to go. Uh, but they seem to want to completely discount the uh, destructive nature of the mining for the stuff that goes into the components that make up these batteries for crying out loud in these electric cars. Uh, obviously, the combustion engine, you know, you've got an oil platform, uh, very little you know, environmental impact is certainly on the surface. Uh, you drill down, and there's a lot of technology that's built into there. And what the, what the whole environmental movement seems to completely dismiss is it really, 
you know, aligns a lot with this socialism, this communism. But the reality is it's capitalism that's going to make any of those energy processes work. And I think we had the right approach several years ago when we were talking so much about the all-above approach to energy. Of course, America was an energy exporter at that time with oil exports through fracking and different things like that. The Biden administration comes in. Kind of throws a wet blanket onto the whole thing. Uh, now we have tapped into our strategic petroleum reserves. Uh, earlier this week, the Biden administration had actually announced that they are not going to replenish the strategic petroleum reserves. Uh, I, I know that fills their narrative of trying to tear down the country, certainly make it economically weak, make it militarily uh, unsustainable. Uh, through a lot of the agendas that they have going on through the military. And voila, you've got a real recipe for disaster there. The Saudi prince said that they were going to take a million barrels of oil off of the market after the Biden announcement. Uh, so we can certainly expect energy prices to rise again at some point. And that's really where Americans care. You know, uh, so much of economics and politics happens right there at the gas pump, doesn't it? Well, thank you all for joining us here at the Ward Scott Files. I'm pinch hitting for Ward Scott this week. My name is Tim Martin. I'm a city commissioner of a Newberry fundraiser for the John Burke Society and chairman for your local Republican Party here in Alachua County. We're going to hit the bottom of the hour break here. Thank our sponsors and come back with a little bit of weather. Hope you join us here on the other side of the break. Thank you. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Oh, warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. 
wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Well, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to the Ward Scott Files. I am your pinch hit host for the week, Tim Martin, and we are uh, wanting to thank our sponsors. So please, if you're out and about over the weekend and you get a chance to go patronize them, please do. Uh, we certainly appreciate everything they do. We certainly appreciate Lewis Oil Company. They always sponsor the weather at the bottom of the hour. Uh, so let me want to run through that. 80s and 90s here in the southeast with a mix of sun and rain. Uh, Mid-60s across the mid-America, mostly sunny. 40s and 50s in the northeast. Expecting a lot of rain uh, in the northeast this weekend. Over in the no- northwest, we're expecting showers in Seattle down through the San Francisco area. The southwest may be <laughs> may actually be the place that you want to be this weekend. Partly cloudy temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. So looks like a great place uh, to be this weekend. And uh, for you polar bears out there, Alaska... Uh, low is still in the single digits, <laughs> light snow, and sunrise is actually not going to be for about another 30 minutes or so at 7.03 local time. But parts of Alaska may be getting above freezing uh, today, particularly in the south uh, as you get closer to uh, the states. But uh, thank you very much to Lewis Oil, always sponsoring, always great friends here to the Ward Scott Files. Um Today, I am celebrating my 22nd wedding anniversary. Uh, if you're in the comments section, and apparently it was my fault on my side why I couldn't see the comments, so I apologize for that. But uh, that's my wife, Danielle Mills Martin, there in the comments section. I got a little screen over here to the right-hand side. Uh, please congratulate her for putting up with me for the last 22 years of marriage. We've got two great kids uh, and a great family, uh, so we really have uh, reason to celebrate this weekend. Of course, it is Good Friday. As we head into the Easter season, uh, if you are not a regular uh, attendee of church, uh, maybe you make that a priority for this weekend. You know, I invite you to come to my home church, the Destiny Community Church. We have two campuses, one just east of Newberry on Newberry Road. And our new launching of our Trenton Campus Church is going to be this weekend, just north of the light on the right side across from the middle school. I invite you to consider Christ if you haven't. And... Uh, This is a great time of the year to do that. It's always wonderful to get over to an Easter service this weekend. Uh, There's any number of churches uh, out in our area of North North Central Florida, so there is something for everybody out there. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, I was talking and interviewing Congressman Ted Yoho, and this is going to be a little bit of a teaser. We want you guys to call in. Uh, today, call in the show, 352-707-9101. I talked about when uh, our family went over to England uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and I was floored. Saturday afternoon, we are in Piccadilly Circus, and we see this kind of motorcade of police officers come up. They kind of block the intersection where we were standing, Uh, and then we, we get and we find we are in the middle of a socialist communist parade. So production's actually going to uh, kind of roll some of this footage of different photos that I had taken. We had uh, pre-prepared showing some of these photos and we're going to show some of the photos. It's going to conclude with a video uh, and I'm going to apologize up front for the video portion, uh, but check a look at these photos. So you can see this is all communist Socialist 
garb, uh, the color schemes. Uh, we have the uh, fonts. They're all the same. And they're the same as they are in the U.S. It's this red, black, and gold font. Uh, you know, we have socialists. They want to stop fascism and racism. Well, a very close sister to socialism is fascism. Uh, it's just a means of who is the difference in controlling the capital and the cr- controlling the means of production. But this is the video. Check out this video. And hopefully, you can, hopefully you can hear some of the chanting that's going on. I don't know if I had gotten a photo or any of the video uh, where they've got the actually have the red smoke gr- grenades. That was just really, really uh, interesting experience. But uh, the Socialist Worker UK actually had posted a an article the following day and they talked about there was actually 10,000 people that attended this parade and uh, 10,000 people is a lot of people uh, you could fill up pretty much the O'Connell Center the O-Dome with 10,000 people you could fill up more than uh, probably double uh, the softball stadium with 10,000 people uh, I think maybe the the baseball stadium at the University of Florida is probably close to that capacity but general you know, NBA arenas are 10,000 people, and they are supporting a socialist and communist movement. And as Lenin had told us, that socialist socialism is basically just a way station on the way to communism. Uh, there's also information out there from uh, Bella Dodd, a very famous communist here in America, uh, that she had realized that there is actually this, this uh, sort of umbrella over top of the communist movement uh, when she was told if you could never get in touch with people in Moscow, just head over to the Waldorf Astoria, and there are people over there that you can talk with. But she said it was very strange because none of those people were actually communists. So it begs the question. And actually, it was a, one of those or sort of the driving forces that st- started our organization, the John Birch Society, John Birch Society uh, by Robert Welch. Um, Maybe you have some interest in uh, that topic. Maybe you've got some interest in other things that we have covered this week. Please uh, call in at the 352-707-9101 phone number. Uh, that is your chance to chime in. Let me interview you. You can interview me. Uh, you can give us your opinion uh, verbally about what's been going on. I was hoping that maybe Ward himself would be able to call in today. If we get a chance to do that, that would be great. Uh, Debbie, thank you for joining us today. Thanks again, Mark Cook. Uh, he called in earlier. Uh, there's a couple of comments in there that I can't necessarily see on my side. They're just sort of on the administrative side. So I apologize if uh, you were making a comment that I can't uh, technically uh, see on my side. Um, I wanted to kind of share uh, a couple of things here at the 939 here on the Word Scott files. Because uh, the you know, this is a, this is a great opportunity for me uh, to talk a little bit and get you a little bit behind the curtain of uh, where I'm coming from, what really drives me in, into these sorts of liberty efforts. And I'll actually kind of start with the very first time that I appeared on the Ward Scott Files. Um, he had contacted me about doing the show. And interestingly enough, 
this is when it was over in Tech City up in Alachua off 441. And I went over to the studio and I thought I was going to be interviewed. <laughs> well, come to find out when I was there, <laughs> I was actually the host. Uh, so I uh, just totally ad-libbed a complete hour of the show. And I kind of had just fell back on my uh, original positions because I was, you know, kind of just talking a little bit about uh, the Birch Society and really just kind of the liberty movement in general and how I got involved in the Birch Society to begin with was before, let's see, I guess this would have been 2006, 2007, uh, in the run-up to the Obama election in 2008, there's just a lot of things that just didn't make any sense to me, politically speaking, economically speaking. You know, I had gone to the University of Florida. I got an economic degree there through the College of Agriculture uh, in the FRE program. So this whole printing of money didn't really make any sense to me. Uh, a lot of stuff politics-wise didn't make sense to me because we had a one-time senator from a little old state like Illinois who was really getting out in the forefront. And I just thought, well, geez, you know, a young guy like that uh, from a little state didn't really make a whole lot of the sense that he this, this person could eventually end up at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, so I started... Uh, at the time, you know, their Google, I don't think was even very popular, but I started searching around on the internet and I came across the Birch Society and found out, hey, you know, this may be something I would be interested in. They talk a lot about liberty. They talk about the division of government. They talk about, uh, you know, national versus state. Uh, so I put in an inquiry and didn't really think much of it, but the field coordinator, uh, a person named Keith Dunn, who some of you may know, uh, called me the next day. Ironically, he only lived about three down the three miles down the road. He lived over in Jonesville, and uh, he said, "Let's get together." So I did. I got together with him, and boom, my eyes were open. And what what I would just say is, I had uh, sort of been thinking the things a little bit in the wrong in the wrong way. You know, I wear glasses. You know, some of you may wear glasses. Um, but I kind of equated it to being an optometrist or an optometrist. They they kind of give you the glasses and they, they if you ever go to the exam, they ask you, hey, which lens makes the picture better? This one or that one? Is it this lens or that lens? Which one is better? And you finally get to where you have a clear lens, you have the right lens. And what I was doing was I was really kind of looking at a lot of this politics and this liberty and this financial uh, stuff in the wrong with the wrong lens, and what I what I kind of figured out was I was under the impression that through this lens I was going to see the goals where uh, America was going to be preserved. The Americanist principles were going to be preserved with good morals and good integrity and freedom. A lot of things that you know I'd already read about with regards to the founders, and that really wasn't that really wasn't the case. Uh, and that's why the answer on the other side of that lens was blurry for me. But when I realized that a lot of this stuff had hinged on globalism, and it harkened back to over 100 years ago now, the early 1900s in America, and I realized the goal was this sort of idea about globalism and integrating America into this global fabric, uh, then things started becoming a lot more clear to me. Uh, the idea of just printing money and and hurting our financial security, that was what they were doing. If the goal was go globalism, then the equation made sense. The math made sense. Same thing politically. You know, early in the 1900s, we took the ability for the states 
to elect the senators, the state uh, houses and the state uh, legislatures to elect their senators and to give them their voice in Washington. You know, the people already had their voice through the House of Representatives, uh, but the senators were representatives of the state body and the state entity, sort of that whole bicameral system. Well, we got rid of that. Uh, we instituted the income tax. So now all politicians had to do was just tell you that they were going to give you more stuff and you'd vote for them. Uh, so uh, we we changed that up. And then we started in on the central banking system. Uh, there was an organization called the Council on Foreign Relations that we've talked about briefly here before. Uh, but it goes to it stands to reason that the the. The Council on Foreign Relations was really the uh, the marketing and, and publication arm of a lot of this globalist effort. And you get these multinational com- companies, these multinational figures involved, and it really becomes about control. And we're seeing a lot of that stuff manifesting today through the Biden administration, through the United Nations. Uh, and if you look at the United Nations, so many of their organizations parallel those that we see uh, in government, and government was instituted among men to preserve our rights. They were never meant to determine which rights we were given, whether we were allowed and given the right to go out uh, outside when there was a quote unquote pandemic. So all of that stuff wrapped into a lot of what I had started uh, kind of seeing, and uh, you know, I, you just can't unsee it. I met with a young man the other day who already realizes all of this stuff. He's 19 years old now. He's already been studying it for a couple of years, and I was able to really have an in-depth conversation. Uh, so there is hope uh, for all of us old older people in the audience. There is hope. Uh, the younger people are getting it. I used to work a lot with the college Republicans, and they get it. They understand that the printing of money and the U.S. government taking over the student loan program uh, – you know, is is not a good look for us. It's really not a good look, and uh, they just see how the printing of money has driven up the cost of everything. Uh, particularly in their case, it was about uh, tuition. And if you're going to give anybody who wants a seat in, in college, you're going to drive up the demand for those seats. What's going to happen when you drive up demand? You drive up the price. Who's loaning all the money on the price? Uh, the government. So it's all this downward spiral of things. So I appreciate your comments, Jody. Thank you for joining us here. You're joining us a little bit late today, but we're certainly glad to have you in class. Uh, nonetheless, I know you're a regular contributor to the show, so I certainly appreciate it. Maybe you want to call in and give us your your take on the week's news or the things that we've kind of covered this week. Uh, please give us a call, 352-707-9101. Well, I got a couple of books here in front of me that you may uh, want to look into. Uh, this book is the blue book. This is actually a narrative, a written narrative of the speech that the founder of the Birch Society, Robert Welch, did uh, back in 1958. Um, This was a very good book written by Phyllis Shafley. Uh, This book is uh, A Choice, Not an Echo. And what this book talks about is the inside story of how American presidents are chosen. Phyllis Shafley, of course, is uh, most famous for the Eagle Forum. Uh, She passed away shortly after, I believe, Trump's uh, either his inauguration or maybe even right after his election, but before the inauguration. But uh, she actually talked about how we have this dichotomy, particularly in Washington, of the Republican or seeming dichotomy of the Democrats and the Republicans. Well, she kind of talks a little bit about whether or not that is really just kind of uh, marketing and whether or not that is not necessarily true. And I think she provides a lot of evidence 
not only to the fact that uh, we're getting the, given the simulation of choice, uh, but she really kind of goes down into the nuts and bolts of this very small book. Uh, it's not much bigger than a three by five index card. It's only about a hundred pages, but you could read through this book. And I tell you, it it feels like it was just uh, written the other day. Uh, Another book that really set a lot of things in motion, wheels turning for me, is this None Dare Call It Conspiracy. And check out that right there. You know what that is? That's the symbolism of communism. If you go back to the feed that we had earlier, you'll see that that fist pump. And it drives me crazy when I see uh, Donald Trump use it because it's this real imagery of the communists and the socialist movement. You'll see it on everything, uh, whether it's a women's march or an anti-gun rights march or uh, a march for choice or anything like that. If you see that symbolism, then you know uh, that it is socialism and communist in nature. Of course, the big one in the middle, that's not an accident of why that's in the middle, as uh, the United Nations. We just touched on that a little bit earlier. Um, here's a, also an interesting book. This is an original copy of the 1974, 1974 April edition of the Foreign Affairs. This is a, a the, the magazine of the Council on Foreign Relations, and you can look them up. You can look up their roster. I do it all the time. Every time I see somebody new... Um, on the news or in media, I always go to the roster of the Council on Foreign Relations to see if they are related. If they're talking, you know it's not a good thing because they promote this whole idea of globalism. And there's a piece in here uh, by a man named uh, Richard Gardner, and he talks about an end run around national sovereignty. And this was written, of course, in 1974, it was, yeah, 50 or almost 48 years ago. 49 years ago at this point, and he said a full frontal assault on America is not going to make it work. You've got to do it piecemeal, inch by inch, and isn't that what we're seeing today? If you're interested in the Federal Reserve, check out this book. This book is a is a is a is a big book. <laughs> this is a creature from Jekyll Island. This is this goes into the history of the Federal Reserve banking system. It's about the central banking system, and it's called the creature from Jekyll Island because the Federal Reserve is such a creature, and it was founded in an island off Georgia that you have probably seen signs for if you haven't been there already. It's called Jekyll Island. Uh, Jekyll Island. Uh, was the sort of the winter playground for a lot of the elites at the time, the Vanderbilts and uh, those sorts of folks. And what they schemed there was how to create a central banking system that was something that was already being done over in Europe. But they had instituted the banking crisis early in the 1900s to get people just thirsty and hungry for a solution that they were more than willing to provide, and that was central banking system. You know, competition can be great for business, but monopoly is even better, and the bankers of that time really figured that out, so they created this central banking system where they were all uh, players on the same team uh, despite not seeing it. And, uh, you know, today's crypto discussions, uh, the digital currency discussions, which we do cover over on the newamerican.com. I'm wondering if sort of this cryptocurrency collapse is not another modern day uh, banking run, banking collapse scenario that is being set up to institute digital currency uh, whole cloth. You know, right now we pretty much have digital currency already. We just have these paper uh, representations because 
the Federal Reserve can create money out of thin air with a bunch of ones and zeros. So we sort of already have that digital currency, but uh, to get away with cash is really the element that I'm concerned with. No cash and everything is traceable. Every transaction we make is traceable. And it's all going to be done on our phones or with cards. And you want to talk about a control problem. We would really have a control problem at that point. Uh, here's another Keystone book that I highly encourage you to check out. It's written by James Perloff. Uh, the, this is kind of the original version, the Shadows of Power. Uh, I don't have the newer version uh, that our old CEO, our ex-CEO had written called In the Shadows of the Deep State. But both of them talk about the genesis of the Council on Foreign Relations. So um, we talked a little bit about China. China has always been a big issue uh, for uh, the Birch Society, and I know that uh, Congressman Yoho went into that a little bit on uh, Wednesday. But uh, let me take you back and tell you how long ago this problem has been uh, on our radar as an organization. The uh, founder, Robert Welch, named this organization, the John Birch Society, after a man named John Birch, who was a Baptist missionary from Georgia, who had become an intelligence officer for the U.S. in China. Uh, it was a time when Ch- uh, Chiang Kai-shek was in, in power. Mao Zedong, the socialist communist, was in the hinterlands and the agrarian, created this agrarian reform. And uh, John Birch was actually killed by the Chinese communists after the war was over, after World War II was over. Uh, and he really attributed uh, to the... The, the the beginnings of where Robert Welch started. He was a candy manufacturer, a very successful, wealthy man. He was head of the American Manufacturers Association at one point. And uh, he, he knew what happened to John Birch, and he knew what happened to China, and he saw you know, Mao Zedong take over, and uh, he wrote about it many, many years ago. Uh, the issues with China that we're talking about. And this would, uh, this, uh, starts off. It is now 1971. So this has been on, uh, the radar of our, our organization for a long time. Uh, we just published this issue, War with China, uh, certainly on the minds of some people. And I, I, I question whether or not we could really have a full scale war with China in the uh, traditional sense, because a lot of our military hardware, uh, the electronic components, at least, are not built here in America, and a lot of them are actually built over in China. A lot of the things that run in America right now are Chinese. We've got this whole discussion of TikTok and whether they're spying on us. So I, I'd i have to be convinced that we're going to have any sort of a full-scale war, for instance, with a China or a Russia or anything like that. Uh, but what is more impactful, a full frontal assault or this end run around national sovereignty like Richard Gardner warned us about 49 years ago? Uh, so much of the, the organization is built around solutions. Uh, what we what we hate to do is we hate to get into the idea of just always complaining uh, about what to do. So if you're interested in what to do, this is where... I think the rubber meets the road with this with the society. It's very action oriented about trying to do things within your community. Uh, all, of course, that are uh, constitutional, uh, that are legal. Uh, we're not going to encourage people to do protesting or anything like that. 
Uh, but you need to just become a resource to the people that are around you with the correct information. Our our total strategy is education, and truth is really our only weapon here at the John Birch Society. Uh, so it's 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 this idea that individually, unless you have a huge pocketbook, you're not going to really be able to make much of a difference. Uh, so you need to band together with your friends and family and coworkers and, uh, you know, your circles of influence at your job or your business to get people information, get them educated on some of these things that are happening. Well, in order to really move the needle in, in numbers, you got to have to be concerted, right? Think about the football team. You know, there's 11 players on a team there's only one football. Only one person gets to carry the ball at a time, but you've got linemen and you've got wide receivers, you've got quarterbacks, you've got running backs that are all doing something. Well, they need to all be running the same play. And in order to run the same play, you've got to have a playbook. And these bulletins that we put out on a monthly basis are the playbook. So everybody's working together in concerted action to try to move the needle forward on some of these issues. And we have a lot of the... Um, the national focus, uh, because we, you know, it's very difficult to go and break up an organization uh, 50 times over and have a different organization in every state. So it's very national in orientation, uh, but a lot of the themes and theories trickle down to our local approach uh, to government. And it's it's always been very interesting to me to see over the years, you know, the burden that I really carry a lot is this information and this education, because the the one thing that the Robert Welch bequeathed to us is understanding the playbook of the socialists and the communist left. That's why they have blasted the organization so much, because we know what they're doing. We know where the bodies are buried. We know how they operate, and nothing is really a mystery. That's why when I saw this parade uh, happening in downtown London, you know, I knew what was going on. I could see, and you pick up on these things, and once you actually see this stuff, uh, you really can't unsee it. So I encourage you to go over to the newamerican.com, sign up for the alerts. Uh, we can send them out every day, kind of the top headlines. If you go to jbs.org, you can look into information about the organization, or you can just get in touch with me. I'm easy to get in touch with. I'm all over uh, social media. My phone number, if you want to write it down, is 352-474-1022. I've really enjoyed the week here at the Ward Scott Files. I hope you enjoyed some of the information that we uh, tried to get to you this week. We've covered a lot of ground uh, from banking to local news uh, to national news, some international. Uh, we got you sports weather and all the rest, but uh, I appreciate you. Um, we're kind of expecting Ward to be back on Monday, uh, but if not, I'm sure I will be able to uh, pinch it once more. Thank you all for joining us. Appreciate you keeping me entertained in the comments section on and offline, live and not live. But uh, we'll join, come back here Monday morning, 9 a.m., same bat time, same bat channel. The Ward Scott Files brought to you by Melden, our friends at Melden Law and Protection by Crime Prevention Security Systems. Thank you all for joining us. Have a great rest of your weekend and happy Easter.